blessed day to you all and a warm welcome to the Greylet Cafe podcast brought to you by Frontinus Limited. Frontinus is a communications consultancy focused on engineering, infrastructure, sustainability and research. With you today is Inji Musa, political scientist and teaching associate at Cambridge University. And I'm very honored and pleased as usual to be accompanied by Mr. Anthony Hayes, creative director of Frontinus in this interesting edition on meetings. Greetings, Mr. Anthony. Thank you. Greetings to you, Angie. So I think the first thing that our audience will be thinking about just in this very instance is why meetings? So we have been focusing so far on grey literature. We know that Frontinus is uh, kind of interested in uh, in grey literature. So where does meeting come from then? (laughs) Well, I agree that counting meetings as a form of grey literature stretches the definition somewhat. And I'm not too worried about whether we're actually going to decide that meetings are a form of grey literature. But the thinking was this. Meetings often perform similar functions to grey literature. We might use meetings to inform people, for instance, and informing people is one of the things grey lit does. Or we might use meetings to consult people. And actually, that's a form of something that grey literature does or is used for as well. So it does some of the same functions as grey literature. So it's helpful to think of it alongside grey literature. Okay, fair enough. So if we are dealing with meetings, then what is the first step in thinking about meetings? I think the first step is to establish the right mindset. So in most contexts, if you said, hey, guys, I've decided to call a meeting, that's probably not going to make you particularly popular. I mean, inwardly at least, you're probably going to get a groan for, oh, no, not another meeting. Because we know that meetings are often a negative experience, they're often tedious, they're often dull and so on. And so I think it's really important if you're going to hold a meeting to get into the mindset of saying, well, mine's going to be different. I'm going to take steps to make sure our meeting it's a positive experience for people so that they come out thinking, actually, that was, that was good use of time. Interesting. So once you have that kind of right mindset and you decide to call a meeting, what is the, the, the second step you're going to take? Well, second step is actually to, first of all, ask yourself, are you sure a meeting is what you want? Mm. It's fascinating how these have changed. People these days have a default mindset that we all have to sit around in meetings you know i started my career in school teaching and when i started in teaching i had hardly any meetings and when i tell that to more junior people in the profession now they don't believe me well by the time i left the profession which only a few years later i was meetings all the time so people have a bit of a meetings default mindset Mm. and what i'm interested in in doing is say do you are you sure you need a meeting so catch yourself when you think we need to call a meeting are you sure about that do we um if the purpose of the meeting is to provide information you don't have to do that through meetings you can do it through other channels and media such as newsletters for example memos if the purpose of the meeting is consultation that doesn't necessarily have to be through a meeting it might be that you tell people, look, this is what we're minded to do. If anyone has any views on the matter and would like to share them with us, this is how you go about it. It doesn't necessarily require a meeting. So all of that is a way of saying the next step should be to challenge yourself and say, are you sure meetings is the optimum form for what you want to do? Mm, interesting. Yeah. What about, what, what's your view on this matter? I mean, to put it more positively, Ingrid, what when would you say we should hold meetings? Yeah, I think that's a very um, important question because taking your just 
um, insightful answer, it seems that maybe a meeting will never be called, right? Because you could always find alternative <laughs> uh, means to communicate and to get um, decisions done. But I think there are three things for me, at least, that would make a meeting eminently needed in that respect. One of them is that you need a decision quickly, uh, which means mm-hmm. that uh, you cannot afford the time to exchange emails back and forth and to gather um, like different opinions from different people in your organization very promptly. So time is a factor here. The second one is actually having invested already in all the, the tools that you have suggested, suggested be it emails, memos, um, to get as much preparation done by the people attending the meeting as possible beforehand. So the meeting is not basically about brainstorming for making a decision, but rather actually just making a decision, which is makes the meeting very efficient and very um, um, kind of to the purpose. Uh, but thirdly, as well, something that I find quite interesting in um, in having a meeting rather than just um, being satisfied with other answers is that you are holding people accountable for what they are saying and you yes. are getting out of them as much insights as possible, which is not necessarily best communicated in writing. So if you need a decision and you need like a yes or no, especially if it's a big thing like publishing a book and you are kind of a publishing organization or um, or either uh, hiring someone or not hiring someone, um, you need people to, to actually kind of come out exactly why they think that's the right thing to do, listen to them in front of other people as well. So the, an exchange of idea very efficiently, but mm. also very um, crystal clear is being done. So three yes. things, again, time-wise, you need to be know whether you are pressured to get that decision. Second, you need people to have been prepared for the meeting in advance. And third, people need to be kind of responsible in their response during the meeting. Um, any thoughts on that? Well, I was going to say I agree with you, particularly about the business of speaking in front of other people and saying, you know, I agree or whatever it might be. I think there's a performative or almost a kind of theatrical element to that, which is important. Mm, Excellent. Interesting. So if we think that taking what we just said, especially the positive, I kind of know that you wanted us to to take the first approach and we decide actually we are in the right mindset, we need a meeting and we are going to go ahead with it. How should we go about it? I think the first step is to circulate an agenda, which probably sounds rather obvious but if you're expecting people to rock up to a meeting and they haven't got an agenda that's a pretty good indication that meeting is not the form of communication you need at that point so it's a circulating agenda in good time and i would say in particular there's there's one aspect of meetings that i confess to being very dogmatic on which is i think agenda items should always be in the form of questions. Mm. So let me give an example. You might have an agenda item, which is events. Mm. And if you have that, people will feel entitled to talk about anything that comes into their mind that has something to do with events. And chairing them is going to be very difficult. If you have a question, should we hold this event or not? Or which events should we hold? Then people come along knowing there's a purpose. This is going to be a purposeful agenda item. And the chair then has permission when people start going off piece and just talking about events in general, the chair can say, no, that sorry, I'm going to stop you there because that's not what we're talking about. We're talking specifically about are we going to hold this event or not? So it gives the chair a criterion for keeping people on track. Interesting. Having kind of launched the part of, of the agenda, what about scheduling then? Because I know that 
setting a time for a meeting is a very challenging thing, uh, especially if you have many mm. members on board that need to attend. So how do you go about scheduling a meeting? I think there are two things. I think, first of all, distinguish between the... When you say starting time, distinguish between... Do you mean that's when people begin to arrive or do you mean that's when the business of the meeting starts? Mm. So if you just say starting time 11... People don't really know whether that's the time they walk into the room or on Zoom or whatever, that's the time they begin logging on, or whether that's when the business starts. So I would always have something like 10.55, 4.11, and then people know that they've got this five-minute period mm. of logging on and chatting about, you know, what's the weather like at your end and all that that's stuff. That's very useful. The, the other thing I'd say, which I, I feel less strongly about because I don't think it applies so often is try to avoid scheduling it for the hour because if i said to you now Inji, we're going to have a meeting at 11 o'clock when do you think it's going to finish well yeah that's just a default mindset mm. isn't it well for some meetings an hour might be the right time but we shouldn't assume it's always the right time that would be a nonsense now if i say to you we're going to have a meeting at 10 40 when do you think it's going to finish that's an open question you're not sure yeah. are you <laughs> and um so you don't necessarily go for a default meeting. And it might finish at, you know, if it's 10.40, it might finish at 11.20. And I think this business where people go into default mode and as soon as they sit in the chair or as soon as they log on, they just settle in for an hour, that's not a good use of people's time. But if I may, shouldn't like people know in advance of attending a meeting, whether it would be for an hour or two hours, it's kind of it. It seems natural to me to 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 need to know in advance of the meeting because I cannot assume that people are just gonna be free for me when I'm setting a meeting, right? So in 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 one respect, it's kind of it doesn't really matter whether I, I schedule at eleven forty or at twelve, um, if I have mm. assigned particular time limit for that meeting. So. What yeah. do you think about that? I would agree with that. In general, we should specify the end time. Um, what I would say is it just makes the point I'm making doesn't disappear in that case. Mm -hmm. It just makes it easier to stick to the end time. So if you start a meeting at 11 o'clock, even if you say it's going to end at 11.45, don't be surprised if it drifts on to 12 o'clock mm -hmm. or people have actually blocked off all that time for nothing other than a meeting. Mm -hmm. If you start the meeting at 10.40 and you say it's going to finish at, uh, I don't know, 11.15, there's much more chance you can actually get it to stop at the right time. Yeah, interesting. Yes, definitely. Okay, um, any thoughts on sharing? So I know that in any meeting you should expect different roles taken by people, but particularly the role of the chair is always highlighted in a meeting. So how do you view a chair? What roles do you give to him? And is he necessarily or she, is she necessarily like the most senior? Would you expect them to be the most senior in the, in the room? Or how do you view that? Well, I think that's a key point to get clear. There's often a default position that the most senior person will be chairing a meeting. And that might be the right answer. But let's just challenge that for a minute. First of all, we aren't born knowing how to chair a meeting. There is such a thing as an art of chairing a meeting. It has to be learned. It's not easy. I would say uh, I, I every now and then have to chair meetings. I don't actually like doing it. I don't think I'm very good at it. You know, and some people are clearly better than I am at it. So it's an art that has to be learned. And, and you shouldn't assume that the most senior person in the room has that particular skill. The second thing to say is that you can put rather a high onus, a large onus on 
the most senior person. Supposing there's a decision to be made and the most senior person wants to listen to everyone's views on the matter and get the argument straight and then try to make the best decision. That's probably easier if they're not having to worry about how to chair the meeting at the same time and wondering about, you know, that person wants to say something and that person wants to say something, or who was first, who should I call first, and that person's going on for a rather long time, so should I ask them to stop speaking? I mean, they're two different things, aren't they? And and so often you take the pressure off the most senior person by saying, well, actually, let's give the chair role to whoever happens to be good at chairing meetings. So I, I believe the jargon for this is distributed leadership. Interesting. Wow. Yes. And what, what's, 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 what's your view on, on the magic that's going to help the team to produce a good meeting? Uh, I think at the core would be like um, a famous phrase, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so I already mentioned earlier, um, and you have kindly shared, uh, I work with some, uh, some of that regarding before the meeting, whether there is need to be, pe- people need to think about something or prepare something in advance that obviously need to be done. But I think what I would add here is that there is someone who needs to take responsibility, again, adding to the idea of the chair outside of that role of the chair within the meeting, there really need to be someone responsible for setting the meeting in the first place, right? And usually um, that person is the one who is going to circulate the email or it's if it's kind of a letter in whatever format it is. Let's say for, for, yeah. for our sake, it's kind of an email. So they circulate that email, they circulate the agenda as well so people know in advance what is going to be discussed and maybe occasionally asking people if they have points that they wish to put on the agenda, which is not always relevant but sometimes it is important if it's mm-hmm. kind of the culture mm-hmm. of that organization or that academic uh, environment to invite people to put things on the agenda uh, so that person they are often kind of seen as a secretary but maybe i i would like and i think you would agree with me to call them like the manager uh, better than mm-hmm. the secretary because just to avoid any kind of connotation that might be attached to the idea of secretary although i personally don't have any kind of um, negative view or, yeah, or yeah. kind of, uh, I, I just think that it's a very neutral thing and at this, it's a yes. role that anyone can take in that respect. But just a manager will be more suitable at least for, for the job uh, here. So that that manager of the meeting, they are the one who set the meeting, send the agenda. And also, more interestingly, they are the person who kind of conclude everything at the end by maybe sending a report or a summary at, after the meeting, which is quite an effective way to tie up that meeting if there is a follow-up. Again, it all comes down to kind of preparing for the meeting in terms of assigning roles before the meeting and not only within the meeting, but also bringing people prepared through that person. Um, what do you think on that? Any thoughts? Well, it's interesting. This, this I, I think the work of a meeting secretary just to use that phrase for a minute, is really important. It helps, has a big impact on the quality of the outcomes. In the UK, limited companies used to be required by law Mm. to nominate a company secretary. And they're not required to do that anymore, but actually many companies do still do that. And one of the traditional roles for company secretary was to take responsibility for board meetings, actually, in terms of calling and setting them up. Um, circulating papers, keeping minutes and so on. And that was actually seen as high status work. Mm. Now, I agree, some people, the minute you refer to secretarial work, they kind of 
biased against it, they think that means something low level. So I rather like the idea of a meetings manager, actually, that maybe gets over the problem. Okay, interesting. So we have talked about so many things. I think people are, are hopefully are getting out of this episode with a better and more positive uh, approach to meetings. Uh, but maybe for those who kind of are responsible for setting meetings or wish to have a better contribution to meeting in that respect, any recommendation or resources you would kindly share with us? I'm going to recommend one, um, and appropriate enough for a podcast on grey literature. It is itself a piece of grey literature. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't normally recommend a PhD thesis in this program, but there's a PhD thesis on meetings, which I think is very well researched, but also extremely well written. Wow. Um, so, which can't be said of all that many PhD theses, perhaps. So we'll put the exact citation and link into the show notes, but it's by Carrie Beddingfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's changed her name since, but the, the name on the uh, thesis is Carrie Beddingfield. Excellent. And um, the title is uh, is a PhD thesis at University of Cambridge emanating from the engineering department, and it's called Designing Meetings Systematically. Wow, so a scientific approach then to... <laughs> To, to design yes. meeting. Wow, that's very interesting. Thank you so much, yes. Mr. Anthony, for such an insightful uh, meeting with you today on how to uh, approach meetings. Uh, it has been a pleasure as well. Thank you. Well, as ever, Inji, a pleasure is mine. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. This was Inji Musa with Anthony Haynes. Grey Lit Cafe is edited by Dr. Bart Hallmark and produced by Frontinus Limited. Frontinus specializes in grey literature forms such as proposals, publications, papers, and reports. The music is from Handel's Water Music, courtesy of the United States Marine Band and Marine Chamber Orchestra. See you next time. Bye.